I want to, t- I want to start out this morning by saying thanks. Uh, you have given uh, me the opportunity to take us on a journey through Acts. And when I look back, I said a couple of weeks, I was kind of embarrassed about the, uh, the length of time, but, but truthfully, I mean, Paul was hanging out for two years here and two years there. So it only took us from September 2012 till August 2015 to make the journey. So we really made it under the time, like what the whole thing really, really taken. But, but really, you know, it's the, the, yeah. What I'm just, I, I want to thank you. Um, it's really, we have now to, well, I guess, we've, I don't, I've lost track really, but by track, like what we've done on podcasts, like we have the entire book of uh, Ephesians and Hebrews and now Acts available for people to listen to. And so you've given us the opportunity in some ways to go slow and to discover, I mean, there's, there's some details that if you go too fast, uh, you, you can miss them. Community Bible experience is going fast. That's good. There's, there's a discipline in that. But if you slow down and begin, there, I've, just, I've just learned a ton. And it's just one of those things that I, I feel like in some ways, I feel like the church in general, church in general, we, ought, we have to constantly go back to Acts because it's such, it's such the foundation of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. So just really receive my heartfelt thanks that you've allowed me to just to, to spend time with Jesus and Acts and to discover things and to be able to share that with you. And my hope is it really has been encouraging to you and that you've enjoyed this journey as well. The journey begins with a question. And it's important to recognize that that question is being asked by a group of 120 Jewish background believers. Everybody that's asking this question of Jesus at the beginning of Acts, every one of them was born into a Jewish family. And every one of them was a Jew who began to follow Jesus. So they're Jewish background believers. There's not a Gentile among them. They're all Jewish background believers. And the question they ask arises after Jesus has spent 40 days from his resurrection to the time of his ascension. So there's these 40 days. Jesus in his new resurrected body is hanging out with these 120 and then more because he made more appearances. And, and he is really, he's giving them some final instructions. So that's the context for their question. So after his death, Luke writes, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days in face-to-face meetings. He talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. Now that might seem, I mean, if, we, if, we, if I would have left that out, we, again, we could have probably had lots of different suggestions. But I didn't leave it out. So now the cat's out of the bag. And the way to say it is that what, what was on Jesus' mind the most after his resurrection, before his return to the heavenlies, is he wanted to make sure those that were following him understood the message of the kingdom of God. That was, that was number one on his list. Now their question is this, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? 
Now, if we're going to understand and answer that question, then we, we've got to do our best to get back into what were they thinking? Again, as Jews following Jesus in the first century, what were they thinking when they asked the question of Jesus, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So the verb they used is the verb that means to restore, to reestablish. Are you, are you about to reestablish the kingdom And it has to do with the restoration to an earlier condition. So if, you, if you're getting back, and if you're in their mind, they're saying, you know, there was a great age of the kingdom at the time of David because after David, things in the kingdom begin to slip away very quickly, if you remember your Old Testament history. So they would be now going back, not quite, but almost a thousand years and saying, you know, that was kind of the golden age of the kingdom with David and Solomon, some of that. So are you about to restore that kingdom back to Israel? And they're thinking something from the past, but they're also wrapped in it is, are you about to do this as like the final consummation of this present age. Like we think we're about to cross from the present age into the age to come. Not to confuse you, but that age to come is called the kingdom of God. So are we, are we at this pivotal place in history? Is this now the time that something of the past is now going to be reestablished before we enter the age to come, the final age. Thou wrapped, again, there's several things wrapped up in this. Cosmologically, within their thinking, they do believe in the renewal of the world. Our God's going to renew this world. His creation, which has fallen subject to evil, to the fall, the collapse, our God is going to end up renewing his creation. What Jesus added to that, he's not only going to renew it, but he's going to make it better. Politically, it, it did have the idea, are, are you about to reconstitute a state? But again, they're thinking backwards. What it was like with David, the king. And then messianically, are, are, are you going to restore Israel to the land that's owned by Adonai? Because that land was a gift. And, and, it's, and now they, they share that land with the Romans. So all that's wrapped up in what they were thinking. Now I believe that Jesus answered their question. But I don't think he answered it directly. I think that he answered it indirectly. His words were these. Uh, you don't get to know <laughs> the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you do get is you get the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. So Jesus' answer, as one word book says, the answer does not repudiate the expectation. You've asked something, you're expecting the right thing, you're asking the right thing, you're, you're expecting the right thing, but... 
simply deprives it of any political significance and refers it to the pneumatic sphere. So basically that saying, you guys may be thinking more politically about the reconstitution of the nation of Israel, but what I'm telling you is something's about to happen and the Holy Spirit's going to do it. The Spirit will empower you to be witnesses, and this is the question, witnesses of what? So in that, I think the answer, the indirect answer really to the question, it's, it works its way out as you go through the journey of Acts. The, the question, are you about to restore the kingdom to Israel? That question is answered as you travel through the Acts of the Apostles. And that's where I jump to the end. Because the beginning of Acts is just like the end. Luke did that on purpose. If we can understand what he did. So we, we've talked about Paul, has, he's, now, he's, he's arrived at Rome. And he arrived at Rome because there was a promise that Jesus was going to fulfill. There was a night that Jesus came to Paul. And he spoke to Paul in a dream. And he says, it's going to be all right. I know that I know you're in big trouble in Jerusalem with the Jewish authorities. I know that you're in trouble with the Roman authorities. I know that there's these band of people that have pledged to murder you, to assassinate you. I mean, I, I understand all about that. I get it. But it's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out for the best. You've been a good witness for me in Jerusalem. What you get will be the Holy Spirit who will empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. See, it's happening. What Jesus said to the 120, the beginning of Acts, is still happening. And not only will you be my witness in Jerusalem, now you're going to be my witness in Rome. From Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. A witness. A witness for what? So this pathway of this promise, we've talked about it, but just a good reminder. Jesus made a promise, and it was a very long and an indirect and a really difficult fulfillment. But it happened because Paul arrives in Rome. Acts 28, verse 16 to 20. Paul arrives in Rome. He's welcomed as he works his way up the Italian coast. There are believers, there's Christians, there's Gentiles and Jews that are following Jesus. He wrote the letter to the Romans. They're still there. They, he wrote that two years before arriving. So there are people there that know Jesus. They meet him along the way. He's escorted to Rome. He's put under house arrest. He's able to rent his own home. He has some, he has some, some freedom, not total freedom. He has a soldier, Roman soldier, that lives with him. He's handcuffed. But the first thing he does is he gathers together the Jewish community. There was still a really strong Jewish community in Rome. So three days later, after his arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And when they, had, when they assembled, they came to his house. Paul said to him, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, our people being Israelites, Jews, 
or against the custom of our ancestors, the Jewish customs. I've, I've done nothing wrong toward Israel or our customs. I was arrested in Jerusalem, handed over to the Romans. The Romans examined me and they wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews, however, they objected. And because there was all of this intrigue and because there were these plots to kill him, I mean, Paul was getting nervous. Justice is not going to be done because I'm not going to pay the bribe and others may pay the bribe, so I may end up getting killed. So I'm going to appeal as a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. That's why he's in Rome. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. The background for that is that the Jews within Rome have been persecuted already by a Roman emperor. They're now back in Rome. So, man, I don't want to stir that trouble up for, for the Jews. I don't want to stir that trouble up for Christians. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not bringing charges against Israel or this sect called Christians. For this reason... I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. For the hope of Israel, I'm under house arrest. For the hope of Israel, I'm bound, I'm chained, I'm handcuffed. And I stand before you. Their response was, well, this sounds really interesting. We've kind of heard some news about this sect that's not so good, but we'd like to hear from, from you. And so Paul has them come back. A little bit later in Acts 28, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place. So more than the leaders came. They came to the home that Paul was renting. And he explained, and there's some really key words here. They're highlighted. Bearing witness. You will be my witnesses as the Spirit empowers you. The Spirit is empowering Paul to bear witness to them from morning till evening. That's literal. And notice he's bearing witness about what? The kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and for the prophets, from the Torah and the prophets, from the books that the Jews themselves would have considered to be the most sacred, from these books I will explain to you the hope of Israel. Trying to convince them about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's empowering Paul in Rome with a Jewish audience. I, I've got to testify. I've got to give witness to the kingdom of God and to the king. And, I, and, I, and I've got to try to convince you, to persuade you, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, some of those Jewish folks said, I, I get it. I want to follow Jesus. Others said no. And because others said no, then Paul kind of goes through this, this uh, 
prophecy from Isaiah that says, you know, sometimes the Israelis can be pretty stubborn like everybody else and close their ears, close their eyes. And so he kind of throws this in here. So I want you to know that God's salvation, which comes through his kingdom and the king, it's been sent to the Gentile. They're going to listen. If you're not going to listen, they're going to listen. And then Acts ends with this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, welcomed all who came to see him. And what did he do? Announcing the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit empowering him to be a witness to the kingdom of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the Greek word for the Hebrew word, Messiah, English, King. The King and His kingdom. With all boldness, no hindrance for two years. The answer to the question, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom of God is restored by the Jew and the Gentile persuaded to follow Jesus. That's the message that's coming through Acts. People bear witness about the Holy Spirit as they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. People convince others that Jesus is the promised one. He is the Messiah. People empowered by the Holy Spirit announce the kingdom. The kingdom is here. How, how, how near is it? Was near enough to enter? The kingdom's in your midst. The Holy Spirit empowers people to teach about the Lord, Jesus Christ, Messiah, King. And whether, there was a, whether it was a Jew or whether it was a Gentile, whenever somebody said, I believe, I'm persuaded, you've convinced me, they entered into the kingdom, the kingdom of God's being restored on the earth by faith in the King Jesus. So Jesus, if he would have like directly answered the question, is this the time you're about to restore the kingdom of Israel? We would have said yes and no. Yes, the kingdom of God, the rule of God can be restored to Israel, but the Jew must believe that Jesus is Messiah. And Gentiles are also going to be part of this because God is doing something that's bigger than what he's done in the past. So stop looking back to a golden age, begin to look forward to something bigger and better for everybody. And believe. So if I could just summarize, I think this is what the Jew and the Gentile following Jesus in the history of Acts, plus you and me, who are people of the king, I, I think this is what we're persuaded of. One, God has interrupted humanity's rebellion by sending Jesus the king. I mean, God in the heavenlies 
looked down on humanity and the history of humanity, and, he, and at some point he said, it's enough. I've given, I've, I've given all kinds of opportunity for people, my creation, to see that there's got to be a better way. There's got to be another way. They haven't gone that way. So by golly, by gosh, by gum, I'm going to interrupt it. I'm going to do something to stop humanity's rebellion against me. And I do it by sending my son, Jesus. Jesus, the king, has announced the kingdom of God on earth before the arrival of the age to come. These are things that are, I mean, when you talk about mysteries, these are the mysteries, these, these disclosures, hints of it. But Jesus comes and he says, you know, we're not going to wait for the change of the ages. We're going to start it now. And we get to do that because my daddy and I, well, we're God. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have a scheme. We're going to kind of interrupt your schedule. And so Jesus comes and says, Repent. It's time to go a new way. The kingdom of God is arriving. And the way you get in on the kingdom of God is you believe in me, the king. And we believe, we're, we're persuaded, Jesus has begun to restore the kingdom of God on the earth in this present age and he'll continue to do that until all of creation surrenders to his rule. Just think of our own lives. There was a point that each one of us surrendered to Jesus and we said, I I'm persuaded. You are God. You are Messiah. You're King. I want to follow you. And from that, whenever that point was, until this point, think of the ways that your life has been restored to something better than what it was. It's in varying degrees. Maybe for some it's small, others it's big. But I believe that every one of us is in a better place today because of what we did by saying we want to follow Jesus. And that restoration to who we are and what God created, I mean, that's just going to get bigger and bigger and better and better as we move towards the consummation of it all. Sometimes he restores our health. Sometimes he restores our sanity. Sometimes he restores our faith. Sometimes he restores our fortune. He's in the business of restoring us to something better. And as he does that, we just like Paul, we just like those 120 Jewish background believers, we bear witness to the arrival of the king and his kingdom. 
and we join him in his work of restoration as the Holy Spirit empowers us. That's why Jesus invites us to pray for the sick. I want to restore that sick person. I want you to join me. I want the Holy Spirit to empower you. Pray for them in my name with my authority that they would be healed. That's why Jesus would use you and me to set somebody that's demonized free. That's why Jesus would use you and I to care for the poor. He's restoring everything to himself and he's inviting you and I to be part of that. So my friends, this story continues. Luke never intended for Acts 28, which was not Acts 28 when he wrote Acts 28. Those of us reading the Community Bible Experience will recognize that. There's no chapters when Luke's writing. So he doesn't intend for the story to end there. It's written in such a way that you and I would be confident it's continuing. The restoration of all things is continuing in us and through us to our world. And we have but one opportunity with our generation. So I'm just curious. I mean, how many of us like are I'm mean, like enthusiastic about wow, God's God's up to doing stuff that restores, not destroys. God's up to doing stuff that forgives, not condemns. God's up to up to stuff that communicates he like he is he's still in love with humanity. He doesn't hate us. I mean, how many of us like are approaching each and every day from that mindset because that's what this story is communicating. <laughs> Mike, you want to sign up for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, all I can ask is for, I, I just, I mean, I, mean I, I will keep talking. I, I got to persuade you. The king has arrived. The kingdom has arrived. God is making everything new. And he will not stop. He will not tire out. He will stay on track. And we get to join him. And truthfully, all we have to do is say, you know, would you just keep empowering us by the Holy Spirit? So we can keep up with you. Because I can guarantee he's ahead of us. So would you like to stand with me? And let's just ask that he would empower us to be his witness to his work in us and through us. One of the things that's been on my mind is that 
Uh, Susan's really been suffering with some a couple of physical things. And so I, again, just my grid, there are times that, you know, before you pray, he likes to show himself. So I'm going to pray for Susan's health to be restored. Then I'm going to ask some other questions. So we're going to ask him to answer our prayers. We're going to ask him to do his work. And again, it, it has to do with faith. It has to do with trust. It has, do, I, do I really believe that he loves us and he, and he wants to restore us when things are not going well? So I'm going to pray for you first, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> Jesus, thank you that you are the king and that your kingdom has come. I thank you that Susan has surrendered her life to you. I thank you that uh, she lives her life for you. And I thank you that there, there are these moments that uh, life really confounds us that we really get confused because we really do believe that you restore our health when we're sick. This has been a frustrating month, uh, a few weeks really. But Susan's really, really, really just, uh, just not felt well. So I would ask you by your authority to restore health because you're the God that restores. I wonder, is there anybody that just feels like you're under a pile? Like, you know, uh, you feel like maybe the devil is getting the best of you? That you just maybe are not, you just, you just don't seem to be able to overcome the temptations, whether that means you just blow up, get angry, you're frustrated. Anybody just sense that you're kind of bound right now? Anybody? Because we can ask him to restore that. Okay, Olivia, Adrian. Okay, so George, would you play, pray for Olivia? And I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, you are the one that restores our sanity. And you're the one that when we're really feeling under the pile, when we just seem to be tugged um, out of light back in the darkness, you're the one that rescues us. And so I invite you. I ask you to rescue Adrian right now as we put our faith in, in you by your authority we ask that you restore the freedom that she has in you that you empower her to say no another thing that came to my mind was just about our provision I think that Jesus really demonstrated again and again that he really did care about the poor and that when people didn't have food, didn't have water, that he really wanted to provide. And may come, that may come across differently for us, but I was just wondering, are any of us just like really feeling under the gun, like constantly our expenses are exceeding our income? I mean, it's not like we are throwing money away. It's just we just feel like, man, uh, God, we need help. This, again, restoration of provision. So anybody feeling really under the gun with that? Okay. Rand, Jenna, anybody else? Okay, we have a few. Okay, so now it's just kind of expanding, so I need help. So, okay. So I'm going to pray for Rand. Who would like to pray for Jenna? Okay. Kate, who's going to pray for Kate? And Katie? Okay. All right. All right, so again, let's just pray. Jesus wants to restore. Uh, some, of, some of this has to do with just restore our trust in him that he is going to provide. 
in crazy ways. So, Lord, thank you for the hope of restoration, your work in our lives. Thank you. I just invite you to encourage Rand. We ask you to provide for him. You say, you say, pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And so, Lord, I ask that out of the riches of your kingdom that you would provide for every daily need, everything that Rand needs. And I ask that you would encourage him when expenses just seem to exceed income. I ask that you would bless him and care for him. So Jesus, we pray this way because we believe that you are the king and that your kingdom has arrived. Your kingdom is arriving. And your kingdom will come in all of its fullness. But until that day, we want to be those that bear witness. Bear witness to you. That you are, you, you are the chosen Messiah. You are the one that fulfills everything that God the Father promised from the old covenant. That you are indeed the Messiah, our King. We want to bear witness, not only to your person, but we also want to bear witness to when you are in charge, when we surrender to you, when you are ruling and you're reigning, we do experience restoration in our lives. And we want to bear witness to the ways that you're restoring us to fullness and wholeness and health and provision and all the different things that we prayed about today. And then, oh Lord, because we bear witness, we want to be able to be empowered by the Holy Spirit also to persuade others to follow Jesus. That living life without Jesus is just foolish. So empower us, Holy Spirit, to continue this story, this journey of the acts of the apostles, the acts of God's people in our generation. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to do this with your strength, not our own to do this with your gifts, not our own, to do this with all that you bring into our lives. Send us now to bear witness of our King and his kingdom. In your name.